Guys, welcome to the EK BJJ podcast. My name is Eddie Cohn and I'm the host and founder of this podcast. A very, very warm welcome to everyone listening wherever you are all over the world. I am extremely thankful and grateful you guys are here. This podcast is designed to assist you not only in your journey through jujitsu, but in life itself. I can personally tell you from my own journey, there's been a lot of peaks and valleys, highs and lows, and hopefully this podcast and its content will make some of that journey a little less bumpy for you. So before we get into today's episode, let me take a moment to shout out Atama Kimonos Europe. These guys supply all of our academy kimonos, and I am extremely thankful to have them as a partner with myself and my association. To find out more about myself and my association, you can find me on all social media platforms with the handle at EKBJJ. Today, as always, there is a fee attached to this episode, and that is if you get value from it, if it teaches you something, or if it makes you a better person, or helps you grow, share it, like it, and leave a comment. I really, really don't think that's a lot to ask for what this uh, this show offers and, and what I give to the community. So let's get into today's topic. And the topic of today is, does your gi rank transfer to your, uh, sorry, does your no gi rank transfer to your gi game? In other words, if you're a, a black belt in no gi, say in one of the Nogi systems, much like the Eddie Bravo system, then does that black belt transfer and hold the same value when you're wearing a kimono? Now, this has always been an extremely controversial subject, but one which I will give my own thoughts on today. I believe that if a black belt in a strictly Nogi system puts on a gi, then I don't personally think they should wear their black belt if they put on a gi. And I'll say that to say this. I believe that technically, yes, they are a black belt. Without a shadow of a doubt, they would have spent countless hours on the mats, training, developing, honing their skills in the no-gi system. And they are a black belt. But I would say this. Could that no-gi black belt that has trained specifically no-gi all the way from white belt in that system to black belt, could they even understand how to defend a collar choke? Could they apply or even teach some of these lapel chokes or make use of the kimono? Or could they even break grips using the kimono lapel? I pose that that question to you because I train with some extremely talented no-gi grapplers, some very, very um, talented wrestlers. And I've noticed recently some of them being promoted to a rank um, where they only train no-gi. Now that isn't an issue, but then I've seen those or said black belts put on a gi and wear their rank or wear that belt. To me, that doesn't make sense. Okay, it doesn't make sense because of some of the stuff I've just mentioned to you. You know, as in, do they understand the technicalities 
of the kimono. Do they understand things like the worm guard, the lapel guards, the simple chokes, the simple ways to use the gi efficiently, Ezekiel chokes, the list would go on and on. So for me, I think the black belt represents a base level of knowledge. And when I say a base level, I'm talking about when you wear the gi now. When you wear the gi to achieve the black belt is a base level of knowledge. And I think personally, it would be very misleading if someone was to put a kimono on and a black belt, having never trained in the kimono or having the prerequisite skill set for that specific role. When it comes to the use of the kimono and the complex way and the complex way which it can be used, I feel that that individual would be doing a disservice to not only himself, but his students and in turn to jujitsu itself. Now, am I saying they're not a black belt? Absolutely not. They can definitely have the skill set of a no-gi black belt. They definitely have the, the skill set, you know, to teach that system. But when it comes to the gi, from my own personal experience, the gi is a very, very intricate tool with new techniques and new methods coming out each day. Each and every day we're hearing of new ways to grip the gi, new ways to do things. Now I'm not saying those no-gi guys are not innovative. They absolutely are. They're absolute killers on the mat. My only question, which I pose to you guys, which is just my opinion. Now my opinion doesn't count for much. Um, but it's an opinion. Whether people take it on board or not is completely up to them. It's just my opinion. I don't believe they tra transfer very well. So let me reverse that question now and say this. So does a black belt in a gi then transfer to no gi? I'm a black belt in a kimono. Yes, I do train no gi you'll see that I train quite extensively, perhaps even 50% and 50%. So 50% with the gi and 50% no gi. Now, when I was training in Brazil many years ago, in a, it's a very, very hot climate. As everyone knows, it's um, extremely hot, but we would wear the gi all of the time. There would be specific classes for no gi. Um, a lot of people would choose to go to, to both. I would mix and match around both. So that question I just asked about, does the black belt and a gi transfer to no gi? I think it does. Um, as it would take a lot less time to exchange some minor details in the game from gi to no gi. And let me give you an example. A lot of the no gi competitions or, or no gi fights are ending with some very specific moves, very specific positions, i.e. footlocks, guillotine chokes, neck cranks, rear naked chokes, um, and transitions. You know, they, the game is a lot faster. It's a very slippery game. The connection between a no-gi competitor training with another no-gi competitor is that they have to make much more of a connection with each other because of the slippery surfaces that they're, they're moving around on. There's no friction with the kimono. Now, if you train at an academy like mine, we not only teach 
but we allow from White Belt our students to apply and actively go after footlocks. Now, with that said, a footlock has never hurt anyone by itself. Okay, no one's just, the footlock hasn't just jumped up and, and tapped someone. The footlock hasn't hurt anyone by itself. It's down to the application of that lock and the non-awareness of those type of holds and locks that make those positions dangerous. An example of that is, I train footlocks, I train with someone who doesn't train footlocks. I go after their feet, they roll the wrong way, inadvertently, they hurt themselves. Although I set up the footlock, they, by freaking out or, or by their non-awareness or non-knowledge of that footlock, they end up with an injury. Now I teach the low-level guys, the white belts, to do the basic Achilles footlock, the basic figure four footlock, toehold footlock, so that they have a basic understanding, awareness, control, and they can recognize how dangerous these things are. But more than that, they can recognize the threat. They can see the threat and they're able to respond or act correctly when that threat is posed to them. Now, the other submissions that I was just listing from, if you did gi to no gi, for example, the guillotine chokes, the neck cranks and the rear naked chokes, um, these are far more easier to learn when, if you have a black belt in a gi and you come out of the gi and you just start to, to train no gi. Of course, they may need tightening up. The timing may need to be much better on them. But ultimately, there are minor adjustments made for when you have to be able to use those positions, which the Nogi guys um, focus heavily on. And, you know, the other benefits of Nogi, like I said, a connection, being able to deal with a slippery partner and a tighter um, offense because there's much less to worry about. And I believe if you train both, it makes you more rounded. Now, let me give you an example real quick. My instructor, Hoyler Gracie, one of the most fierce um, ADCC competitors ever. Most decorated as well, one of the most decorated. There are stories of Hoyler training all the way up to his ADCC competitions with his gi on and only removing the gi three weeks before the tournament. Now I asked Hoyler about this and said, was this true? And, and of course Hoyler said to me, yes, it was. And I said to him, well, why is that? Why didn't you take off the gi and just train for six months and then, and then go fight? And he said this, he said, listen Ed, if the academy door opens and someone came in to fight with me right now or they wanted to train no gi with me i can't tell them hey listen i've worn the gi my entire life give me six months come back and then you know we can train that goes against everything that we advocate that goes against the principles of gracie jiu-jitsu and, you know, I thought about that and I thought, wow, that's, that's absolutely right. Because although we're not a slave to the cloth per se, 
we train the chokes, we train to use the lapel as a weapon, we train to use the kimono against our opponent, we use it to trap and entangle them with. But also we're not reliant on that, that cloth, on that kimono, we're not a slave to that cloth. And that became really, really paramount to me. And he said to me, if we took our gi off now, could we train together? And I said, absolutely, we could, we could go no gi, no problem. And he said to me, well, if that's the case, and we're not reliant on grabbing the gi so much, we're already training no gi. The only things we have to tighten up is our connection, the friction that we don't have anymore, um, the foot locks. And if you look at the, if you look at one of Hoyler's fights in Spain, ADCC Spain, he goes after the guy's foot a lot. Hoyler was notorious for this. Um, guillotine chokes, arm in, arm out. Um, we just need to tighten those things up. We can use neck cranks, rear naked chokes because it's much slippery, easier to get in. And of course, the transition and the faster pace of the actual um, tournament. And I was like, wow, that makes perfect sense. So fast forward 20 years, and this is exactly what we do in our academy. We don't have times for gi and no gi. We have just implemented our no gi classes. And that's what prompted this episode. Um, the no gi classes will run as many times as the gi classes, because I believe that students should have the feel for both. Maybe some students will only like to train no gi. Some students will only train with the gi. The students who will become better rounded will become, will be those students, excuse me, who train both and have a vast knowledge of both and understand that I don't have the kimono here, but I'm able to use it in the gi class. I'm aware of that. If I have to put the gi on, if I miss one class and I have to go to the gi class, I can live very well and very easily in the, in the gi class with no fear of, of that, rather than being a fish out of water. Now, also, if you look at some of the other amazing fighters that have come, come through, for example, Cron Gracie, Hickson's son, um, Saulo Ribeiro, one of the you know most decorated guys ever to, to ever bless the mats. His brother, Shanji Ribeiro, um, Rafael Lovato Jr., both gi and no gi champion. And of course, one of the most decorated ever, Marcelo Garcia, the human backpack. You know, these are all guys that are incredible athletes when it comes to both gi and no gi. They understand what it is, how the game changes, the pace of the game, the techniques that they would need to focus on or tighten up, and what they can and can't do with the kimono. Now, I mentioned Ezekiel chokes earlier. You couldn't do Ezekiel chokes with and without the kimono. They just need a slight adaption. Now, considering all of the above, I'll throw another cat among the pigeons. In the years that I've followed the UFC, which has been from UFC 1 till now, um, and I'm a huge fan of, of the UFC and, and MMA in general, we've also seen a lot of MMA fighters awarding their black belts in jiu-jitsu. Now, some of them I know have never ever put on a gi and have never ever 
trained jujitsu with the gi. Now, I don't know if they've trained without the gi. They must have to some degree when it comes to the wrestling and the submissions, etc., etc. But ultimately, I, I'm curious to find out, are they a BJJ black belt in the gi? Are they a no-gi black belt? Or are they an MMA black belt? If any of you guys know, let me know. Um, I'll be interested to, to hear your opinions. Shoot me a message. And um, I'm curious, but I'll, I'll, again, I'll voice my own opinion on this. If you're awarding an MMA fighter a black belt in jiu-jitsu, the general public will look at that and say, hey, this guy must be able to teach X amount of people wearing the kimono. So I'm going to go there and I'm going to learn jujitsu from that guy or girl. But they have never worn a kimono in their life. There's massive confusion there about this. You know, people opening up kimono, uh, opening up academies and saying they're black belts in jujitsu. But what exactly are they? You know, I know some judo. If I go to a judo school, I'm not going to put a black belt on. I don't know the intricacies of judo. I don't know the point system of judo. I don't know the grip system of judo. Um, you know, I, I would go back to grassroots until I learned that and, I'm, and got a base knowledge of that. And they awarded me that belt. I would wear the belt that sits with the knowledge I have of that art. So three types of black belts that I know of. We have no gi, we have jujitsu with the gi, and now we have MMA guys with the black belts in BJJ, I guess. Or is it MMA? Or is it no gi? I have no idea. I have zero idea what that is. I spent, as I always have said, the best part of 25 years learning to train jujitsu with the gi. Of course, I train no gi. I wrestle a little with some of the guys. Um, but I'm not a, I wouldn't say I'm a black belt in no gi. I can train no gi and it trans, transmits very, very easily. But if there was a system for no gi, would I be a black belt? I don't know. I would have to tighten up those areas that I spoke about. Um, but because I'm not reliant on the kimono, I can hold my ground very well with no gi guys, as I do in my academy when the MMA guys come in or the pro fighters, the pro athletes come in and we train together. Of course I can, you know, and I can submit them to and, and push them, give them guys a hard time. So yeah, let me know. Let me know your thoughts about that. Now, I'm going to shed some, a different, a totally different perspective on it as well. Since the core fundamental or the core fundamental principle of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu is to build an amazing defense. Which one would be harder to defend against? Would it be someone with a gi or the person without a gi? Would that be, which one would be easier to defend against? And I would say the easier one to defend against would be, I would say it would be the person with no gi, and I'll tell you why. They don't have to be concerned about being choked with Ezekiel's, being, you know, wrapped with a, with a kimono. They don't have to be concerned with 
being held down with the kimono, you know, using the pant grips or the lapel grips or whatever it is to keep them in position. So I would say that nogi would be easier to defend against. If you train against someone with a gi, they have so many weapons they can use against you. They, they can weaponize themselves very quickly and, and come after you, surprise you, you know, with gi chokes. For example, if we go back to UFC 1, Hoist wore the gi. Why did he wear the gi? Some people say it was, you know, to, to demonstrate Gracie Jiu Jitsu. And I, and I guess that was part of the marketing plan back then. But I also know through my conversations with him that he wore the gi for two other reasons. The first reason being, this is what he said to me was, Ed, listen, if I wore the gi in that fight, when I go into that octagon back then and I wore the gi, I knew those guys were not skilled with the gi. So they would resort in, in closeness at grabbing the gi. And we saw Keith Hackney do this to Hoist in UFC 1. He grabbed Hoist's gi and started to punch him. Now, Hoist said to me, if one of the hands are grabbing the gi, one, I know where his hand is. Two, he, his, he isn't hitting me with that hand. So I'm able to negate that position by him just grabbing the gi. That was the first thing. The second thing was, he said that because the majority of them had no idea what I could do with the kimono, and if you look at some of the fights, for example, uh, what was his name? Uh, Minoki Ichiara, Hoist choked this guy. He got him in a choke arm lock position. It was almost like a half bow and arrow and a half arm lock position. If you look at the Remco Pardo fight, big judoka guy, someone who's completely aware that the kimono can be used against them. UFC one again, or two, I, I believe. And Hoist choked him with a gi. The guy had no idea what was happening. Pinned one of the hands, was on his back, and choked him with a gi. You know, so even then, even back then when Hoist was applying, you know, strikes and counter strikes and knees and headbutts and all of this stuff early on, the threat level he posed against them was so vast because it wasn't just like Ken Shamrock, a guy in a pair of shorts. Hoist actually was wearing a weapon against these people and using it efficiently and effectively against them. It's incredible. So guys, that's the questions that I have today. And, you know, I've given a brief outline of why I, th I think it's easier to transfer your black belt from wearing a gi to no gi rather than from no gi to gi. I've given you some of my opinions of why that is, why that would work. I'd love to hear your opinions. I'd love to hear what you think of this. Listen, there's no right or wrong. It's an open debate. It's a controversial debate. And I'm not here to make it a controversial debate. I'm here to just give an opinion and learn something, get some feedback from it. But that is my opinion. That's my stance on the whole thing. And let me know, send me a message. I appreciate everyone's messages. I, pre I appreciate everyone's downloads of the podcast and I, I appreciate everyone giving me feedback. That's all I have for today. Guys, take care. And I know it's been a short one, but I hope it's been of value and it's served you. Until next time, take care.